0: Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. In fourth grade. We had a substitute gym teacher. And she took us outside for gym class and you know we, we did the thing and you know then uh, you do what you do in elementary school when it's time to go in you line up single file, single file line, right? And so we're there in the parking lot waiting to go inside. And I'm, like, in the middle of the line somewhere, and you just have to imagine little Cameron. Like, I am not typically the attention seeker. Like, I'm just minding my own business, probably, like, spacing out, looking at the sky or something. And out of nowhere, boom, I get shoved from behind, and that throws my body into other, other kids. Okay? You know, we collect ourselves, a few moments go by, next thing you know, this gym teacher is right up on me, and she's like, why did you do that? And I was like, oh, I got pushed from behind, and like, nope, she's like, no, I saw you, I saw you, you pushed those kids, you pushed those kids. And it was, there was no conversation there. She called me a liar, and she's like, "Back to the end of the line." And I remember just being like humiliated a little bit, like, like, what? What just happened? Like, like my voice was shut down. I, I couldn't defend myself. I just had to do what what the substitute teacher had you know had me do. So I went went to the back of the line, and and yeah, this story is just just a drop in the bucket where we we learn. Sometimes pretty early in life that life is weird. Life is unfair. Sometimes you get pushed in the back. Sometimes you get sent to the back of the line. You'll be yelled at. Perhaps called a liar when you're speaking the truth. You feel humiliated. Yeah, sometimes you get sent to the back of the line. Life isn't fair. And as I've been hanging out, with Hagar, the Hagar story from Genesis 16 what we looked at last week and today Genesis 21 I really feel for Hagar. If like we don't know a super ton about her, she certainly has some difficult experiences in her her life. And so yeah, last week we took a look at Genesis 16, the first part of her story. Now today we we get into the rest of her story. Uh, but just for some recap and background here. We have Abram and Sarah, God's chosen family. They're chosen to have a large yeah a large family. but the thing is they're elderly, they have no kids and so Sarai comes up with a solution. Hagar becomes a co-wife for surrogate reasons. Uh, Hagar becomes pregnant, has a baby boy named Ishmael. Hagar gets abused by Sarai. She ends up running away from camp. An angel of the Lord meets up with her. And long story short, she's restored back to Abram's camp, Abram and Sarai. And then about 14, 15 years go by. There's a bunch of events that happen. Abram is now Abraham, Sarai is now Sarah. And again, there's other other cool stories that happen. Uh, but we pick up the story today in Genesis chapter 21. So if you wouldn't mind, just uh, hold out your hands. We're going to say a quick prayer. And uh, if, you, yeah, if you don't mind, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, may we receive what you want us to receive. Amen. Okay, thank you. And God's? timing, as God said he would. God attended to Sarah. God attended Sarah. The grace of God arrives. God keeps his promises. God is a promise keeper. After years and years of waiting, 90-year-old Sarah becomes pregnant, and she gives birth to a son, and they name him Isaac, which means he laughs, or simply laughter. Abraham and Sarah they have their own baby boy now and it's wild. And Sarah says, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. This is a wild story. Nine year old Sarah has an infant. Eight days later they circumcise Isaac. This is the sign of of the covenant. The covenant between Abraham and, and God. And then a couple years passed by. About two or three years passed by. Isaac is officially weaned. And what that means is that he made it. He survived infancy. In this really harsh world, uh, where infant mortality was like really high, uh, well, Isaac, he's, he's doing a good job. It's two, three years old. He doesn't need mom anymore. He can eat heartier food. And this is a time to celebrate. This is a really good time in this ancient culture their baby boy it looks like he's gonna make it he's he's off breast milk let's let's rock and roll here so Abraham throws this big party throws a big party but the narrative doesn't stay happy for too long as exciting as the promised child is it's like the the Bible just moves on so fast all of a sudden things get sour at the party half-brother and older brother, Ishmael, seems to be mocking Isaac. Now, scholars debate what type of mocking this was. Some think that it really wasn't like a super bad kind of mocking. It was amusement, laughing, just just joshing around, you know, messing around with, with, uh, with Isaac. Now, later on in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, he actually references this story and he says that Ishmael was persecuting Isaac. But anyways, Sarah takes an offense to what she sees and she's moved to action. And she says, get rid of that slave woman and her son. For that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. So Sarah is a co-wife with Hagar. And we already know that's not the best situation. And now she's like, hold the phone. What's on the table? It's inheritance, legacy. You see, Isaac is the promised child. Ishmael can go pound sand. In fact, it's time to just get rid of them. Let's dismiss them from the family, the camp, send them away, cast them out. There's not going to be a co-heir. That's what Sarah is thinking. She goes to her husband, Abraham. How did Abraham handle this? Well, I think it broke his heart a little bit, if not a lot. It stressed him out. It was very distressing. Ishmael is his teenage son, maybe somewhere around 15 years old. i want to get rid of my, my boy, like, like, like your, your teenage son. Are you, are, really? Am I going to cast them out? Really? And then God gracefully brings an answer to Abraham. He speaks words of comfort. He, he literally says, let it not be bad in your eyes. Let it not be bad in your eyes. The Christian Standard Bible puts it this way. Do not be so distressed about the boy in your slave woman. Listen to, what, to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned literally your seed will be called will be proclaimed through Isaac Isaac is the branch that the Bible follows but then God doesn't stop there he says I will make the son of the slave into a nation also because he's your offspring he's attached to you Abraham I'm going to bless I'm going to bless Ishmael so we'll just take a, a pause here. When when you are in a distressing situation, it is so okay to ask God for help, to ask God to speak, to give direction, guidance, to bring comfort and peace. Okay, Abraham was stressed out. We're not told that he offered up any prayers. God grace uh, with, with grace, you know, stepped in and, and spoke up. But for us, you know, let it, let it not be bad in my eyes, God. This is a a stressed out situation, but dear Lord, God, please, let let this situation, this circumstance, not be bad in my eyes. Let me trust you, Lord. Perhaps my circumstance won't change, but maybe my perspective does. Ask God to speak, to speak up. So Abraham, he's, he's grieving the thought About casting out his son, Ishmael. But then God, you know, as God promised Abraham would be a father of many, well, God is showing the strength of that promise. That even through Ishmael, many descendants are going to come. Ishmael, the other son, the son of the slave, guess what? He is going to be a nation. God doesn't say if Sarah is is right or wrong in this, this, but it looks like parting ways is, is going to happen. So then it says, early the next morning, early the next morning, showing diligence, care, love, Abraham gets a skin of water, a a bladder of of water and some food, and he puts it on on Hagar's shoulders. You know what? He he sends them off. He sends them off. And it says that Hagar and Ishmael, they, they wandered through the wilderness, the desert of Beersheba. This isn't a picture of it, but I look, I looked it up, couldn't find a good picture to show. But this is this gets you close. This gets you in the ballpark. Okay. So let's just like speculate a little bit. Wandering through the desert, what would Hagar reflect on? Like what would she be thinking about as she is leaving camp? The life that she knows she's wandering away. Okay, so she might be thinking, well, she's Egyptian, she grew up in Egypt, we don't know her story, we don't know how long she was there, eventually she became a slave, and then she was quote-unquote forced into marriage, she became, you know, a a co-wife, she has a kid... She gets abused, she runs away, an angel visits her. Maybe she's reflecting all, all of these things, but then she's restored back, and then she's there with Abraham and Sarah for uh, you know, another 15 years, and now she's being expelled. Essentially, like, this is divorce by expulsion. I just think, perhaps Hagar deserves to have a meltdown. Hagar, like it is fair for her to go through an identity crisis. Who is Hagar? Who is she? And as they wander through the desert, you know, a place where you don't want to run out of water, they run out of water. Right? Dehydration. She sees some bushes. Perhaps bushes mean there's water nearby. She goes to the bushes. There's no water. She can't find it. And it gets to the point where they're dying. They're dying of thirst, dying of dehydration. Ishmael is, is in a bad way. She puts her boy under a bush, perhaps to protect him from the sun, just to, like, here's a comfortable spot as you die. And then Hagar, she's like, I, I can't handle this. Like, I I cannot watch my son die. And so she moves about a bow shot away, it says. A bow shot away. What a, what a unique way to, to explain how far away she was. She does not want to see her, bo- her boy die. She can't handle it. What a, what, what a situation. Now, some of you know, Jess and I have an amazing black lab named Nora. Nora is awesome. I love my dog. (laughs) She's not our first dog. Uh, Jess and I had a dog named Tipper. He was he was a a beagle mix. We only had him for a few years. Long story short, due to an accident, we had to put him down. And when we were at the animal hospital, you know, we gave the doctor gave Tipper the the medicine to, to fall asleep. But then we left the room because we didn't want to be in the room when they would stop his heart. We couldn't handle that. Now, a, a dog's death and, and losing a child, ocean's difference. Let me be clear, ocean's difference. But but Hagar could not watch her son die. She is at the end of her rope. And in the wilderness, she's crying. And she just imagines, you know, like, or, or I, I, I imagine, like, this, this cry, it's it's that type of cry that, that comes when you carry such a burden. And maybe you can relate to this where like you, you close the door, lock the door, and you cry. You go out to the car and you just cry. Like like it's that type of cry. Like, like she she is bewailing. This is her life. Egypt, slavery, like this whole story we don't know too much about her but like what she's gone through, this is where Hagar has ended up, she needs hope this is her life now Ishmael the name means God hears God hears God hears Ishmael crying, the Bible says Then an angel of God calls out to Hagar from heaven what's the matter Hagar? What's the matter? But a simple question with a complex answer. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. As messy as, as life is, God just has a way of saying, Child, don't, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Take courage, dear heart. Don't be afraid. It's all over the Bible. Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up. Take him by the hand. For I'm going to make him a great nation. And you know, it's it's the hands that stand out to me. There's a Hebrew idiom in the text here that says, make your hand firm upon him. It is a Hebrew understanding of, of, uh, or uh, an expression, an idiom, of like lending support, giving encouragement, help. Things like that. A related concept is found in Leviticus twenty-five, thirty-nine. If your brother becomes destitute and cannot sustain himself, literally, the Hebrew says, and his hand falters or shakes. That's an expression. If your brother's hand is shaking, then what do you do? You support him as if he's an alien or temporary resident so that he can continue to live among you. A destitute Israelite who has fallen into poverty when someone is struggling if their hand is shaking you offer them yours this concept is also found in Ezekiel 16 49 and it's way more intense Samaria and Sodom are sin sisters to Jerusalem and the people of Judah and being compared to Sodom like that's that's not cool But that's what Ezekiel does. That Jerusalem failed to strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. They failed to strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. Hagar's hands. Place Ishmael down to die. But it's like, get up, Hagar. Take Ishmael by the hand. You two have a future. Hagar, the Egyptian, the slave, the other woman, the co wife, shunned by the family. Well, guess what? In the mixture of all that she is as a person, she still gets to be mom. Hagar, take your boy by the hand. Take care of him. Keep being mom. I'm calling you to be a mother. Take care of your child. God keeps his promises here. And he needs Hagar. He's inviting Hagar to keep being mom. In verse 19, God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. There it was. Was it a miracle or did she just not see it the first time? Not sure. She opened her eyes, she saw the well and she fills up the water skins and she gives Ishmael a drink oh, how that, that, that water would feel on, on his parched lips that, that dry, dusty throat ooh, it's so good water means life water means you're going to make it and as I just kind of see this, this story here you know, first comes the calling then comes the rescue first comes the calling then comes the provisions there's there's this expression uh, in, in ministry that god doesn't call the equipped he equips the called hagar i need you to take care of ishmael take him by the hand that's the calling her eyes were opened well here's 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 the provisions now you guys here's some water So Hagar is called to continue to take care of Ishmael. Verse 20 says that God was with the boy as he grew up. Talk about provisions. God was with Ishmael. I think we we read over that often. We don't think about God was with Ishmael. The grace of God showing up right there in Genesis 21. So Ishmael, he lives in the desert. He becomes an archer, we're told. And now usually the, the father is in charge of Coordinating, arranging, being involved with marriage business. Well, Hagar has to assume that responsibility. And so Hagar gets Ishmael a wife, the Bible says, a wife from Egypt. And just, you know, I'm kind of speculating here, based on her relationship with Sarah, she's like, I'm your mother, okay? I'm going to get you a nice woman from Egypt. You're not going to mess around with these Mesopotamian women. Like... <laughs> We're going to get you a lady from Egypt. Genesis 25 tells us that Ishmael and his wife, they have 12 sons. 12 sons. When Abraham died, Ishmael was there to bury his father. God promised Abraham that his offspring would be numerous Because God keeps his promises, Ishmael, he had a large family. God keeps his promises. Now, the Bible doesn't follow the Ishmaelites, all right? It it follows the descendants of of Isaac, the miracle baby, the the child of promise. Hagar and Ishmael, you know, they are outside uh, the the chosen bloodline, but notice that, that God is still kind for them. God cares for them. He is gracious to them. God cares for outsiders, for the strangers, for the poor and needy. God continued to be with Ishmael as he grew up. And yes, the, the Bible, it follows the line of Isaac. But someday, through this chosen line, a descendant of Isaac, Jesus of Nazareth. Is going to have his hands stretched out on the Roman cross. Jesus is going to die for the sins of the whole world, making peace. Dying for the sins for the world, past, present, and future. Atonement will be made. His hands set us free. And this is good news of grace for for all people. Jesus' work on the cross tears down the wall of hostility. Meaning that Sarah's kids and Hagar's kids, they can receive the grace just as much as anybody else. Grace. Throughout the Old Testament, this, this grace was a mystery. Uh, and to frame it up, it's kind of like, okay, how is God going to work all of this out? But we know now. In Jesus Christ, what God was up to when he picked Isaac to be the chosen branch, God's mystery has been revealed to the whole world. It's Jesus. Jesus. Now, Hagar's story can teach us many things, and perhaps one of the lessons is simply this. Life isn't fair. Did Hagar want to be a slave? Did she want to be a co-wife for baby-making purposes? Did she want to be abandoned by her husband? Did she want to find herself in a near-death experience? Life isn't fair. Sometimes we get pushed in the back. Sometimes we do get sent to the back of the line. Life isn't fair, but guess what? Neither is grace. God offers the free gift of grace to us, to everyone. We can choose hope because God, God is here with this grace and he continues to speak in distressing times. He does say, church, dear church, do not be afraid. He is a rescuer. He is the one who calls. He is the one who provides. God hears us. God is with us. God is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. I say we can hope because our faith and because of our faith in Jesus. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. So, church, let us confess together. Let us confess our hope together. While life isn't fair, we may go through distressing times and identity uh, identity crisis and meltdowns. and We may even have near-death experiences. Life in this world may do to us what it did to Jesus. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. Life in this world may do to us what it did to Jesus. But what Jesus did in the world, he'll do to us. He'll save and make us alive. Life isn't fair, but neither is grace. For by his grace, we are saved through faith. Not in our own doing. Grace is a free gift from God. Let's hope together. Let's sink deep And the grace of God. Let's tell the world about it. So many people are starved for grace.